Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Good Risings. I'm Jackie. And I'm Brian. And this is Grateful Grains. Happy New Year. We hope you enjoyed your weekend, whether that means out partying after the ball dropped, passed out on your couch by 9 p.m., or any variation between. We hope you did you to your heart's content. This week, we are talking about making it work. We're exploring the top five resolutions, the reasons they tend to fall apart, and how to make them not fall apart. Exactly. Our goal this week is to provide a little bit of information to hopefully help you as you begin a health-focused journey, whether that's by way of a resolution or just your simple desire to grow. We're here to applaud you and amplify that determination. Today, we're getting it started with the most common resolution of them all, getting into shape. First and foremost, that goal is far too vague. When we don't know what victory looks like, our definition of victory tends to sway from one day to the next. The target tends to move as the going gets tough. It becomes a lot easier to settle when you haven't been clear about your objective. It's being able to keep ourselves accountable, but it's also about experiencing the fulfillment of achieving our goals, which really is one of the most rewarding aspects of the hard work we're doing. A vague goal is unattainable. So let's sort out exactly what getting into shape means. Does it mean losing 20 pounds? Does it mean gaining a certain amount of muscle? Being able to lift a certain amount of weight? Does it mean getting into cardiovascular shape? Like running a six minute mile? Does it mean breathing better? Like holding our breath for three minutes? There's a lot of information out there about exercise with all the options, with all the different goals, With all the competing information, how do we know what to do? How do we even know where to start? Well, we ask ourselves what we're capable of, physically, mentally, and in terms of available time. The most important aspect of that general goal of getting into shape is consistency. If we overexert ourselves physically, we get injured. If we overexert ourselves mentally, we burn out. If we overestimate our time, we stop showing up all obvious enemies of consistency. Right. Fitness is without question one of the most important facets of human health on all fronts in all aspects. At the very same time, a lot of people get injured while they're working out, especially when they dive headfirst into exercise after going years without lifting anything heavier than a grocery bag. Now, that's no reason for you not to work out, But it is a reason to do a little research, to know your body and know your limitations. If you're delving into fitness for the first time, we highly recommend that you get thoroughly acquainted with both your posture and the common stances in weightlifting. If we're running or cycling without also being aware of our posture, we're wreaking havoc on our knees, our shoulders, our neck, and our lower back. If we try to lift weight from the wrong position, we can tweak all kinds of things in our bodies 
and then we flat out won't have the option of sticking to our resolutions. Our body literally will not allow us to continue at that point. So specifically, we want to know how to properly squat, hip hinge, vertical press, vertical pull, horizontal press, and horizontal pull. It's so much easier to get a good grasp of posture and positions when you can see people doing it. I think the best advice we can give here is to go find yourself five or six fitness influencers on Instagram. If they're established, they'll have hundreds, maybe even thousands of videos of themselves performing different exercises, oftentimes specifically demonstrating correct posture and motion. A few of our favorites are The Movement Journey, The Shirtless Dude, and Jack Hanrahan Fitness. And by the way, there are fitness influencers from every style of training, whether it's yoga, Pilates, weightlifting, CrossFit, and beyond. Try digging through hashtags to find the ones you resonate with most. It'll also help to keep you motivated. Start small. No matter if it's weightlifting or walking on an incline, indoor cycling or yoga, the stair stepper or CrossFit, there's no rush. Start with a lesser weight. Go the slower speed. We don't twist our bodies into pretzel shapes before we know we can arch our backs. Until we're fully aware of our bodies and our limits, the primary goal should be form, posture, and consistency. Once we have a good grasp of that, we can start pushing ourselves. As for time, just be realistic. If we're suddenly waking up an hour and a half earlier to get to the gym, it's best to start with two or three days a week. If we're going straight after work and it's ruining our ability to have a social life, then we make sure to carve out some time for the latter two. We have to allow ourselves time to acclimate in order to avoid burnout. We have to get a good understanding of how our schedule can realistically shift and bend without completely ostracizing other important stuff that'll inevitably steal our attention back when we're feeling unmotivated. The last thing we'll say is, find the fitness you're passionate about. When you can connect with it, when you can find something you really enjoy, showing up goes from obligation to a pleasure. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. We're exploring the five most common resolutions, why people tend to fall short, and how to not do that. Change is never easy. Our minds are built to love routine and patterns. Physiologically speaking, our brains want to do as little work as possible in order to save space for our survival, which we don't really need so much of anymore. Ironically, behavior counter to our brain's idle tendencies is how we keep our brains and bodies healthy. Stepping outside of our comfort zone, seeking out novel experiences, engaging with new environments and people, all mind-expanding and nourishing stuff. Addiction is the brain's love of routine, fixated on a specific source of pleasure. No matter if we're talking about drugs, fast food, or group fitness classes, our brains know to turn back to the source, whatever is helping to release those feel-good hormones. When we're feeling low, when we're having a hard day, we're, in essence, experiencing withdrawals. Obviously, those withdrawals vary in magnitude from one addiction to the next, but the brain's response is the same nonetheless. 
it begins to present the easy way out. This is where cravings come in. No matter the addiction, you'll begin to fixate over getting your hands on it. Again, this could be literally anything. When we exist in an unaware state of addiction, there's no space between the desire and the act. It's called a habit because it is the habitual behavior, the habitual solution. The obvious first step here is creating space for thought between the desire and the act. We're simply injecting some thought between the desire to pull over for a large french fry and suddenly finding ourselves at the drive through window. We create space between the impulse and the action. That's where our power resides, in that time between. Again, addiction comes in all shapes and sizes. We can become professionals at injecting thought into those moments of temptation, but if we're in deep, the addiction is often stronger than our willpower. So what do we do? First and foremost, we gotta accept it's a long road. We can't beat ourselves up for the occasional slip up. Like we said last week, the victory does not come from perfection. The problem with promising cold turkey is that slip ups become failure. We perceive ourselves to be failures. We perceive ourselves to be powerless. And then we ultimately give up. We have to applaud one day. We have to applaud 10 days. We have to applaud two months and so on. Each time we fall short, the goal should be to beat our all-time best, longer and longer. Next, we want to do ourselves a favor and test our willpower as seldomly as possible. We have to be aware of certain places and people or things that inevitably lead us to that bad habit. If we want to quit smoking and being drunk at bars is when we'll inevitably light up, we no longer find ourselves drunk at bars. If midday hunger is when you find yourself in the drive-thru, have a pre-made lunch on hand. It may serve you to make a list of those casual instances, those things that lead you down the road to your bad habit. From there, make a list of things you can do instead. If seeing your friend for happy hour is how you end up drunk, try seeing your friend for breakfast. Try hikes together. Try a fitness class together. Those kinds of lists will serve you very well, as will journaling. We want to remain hyper-aware of where we've fallen short in the past. We also want to keep track of instances when we've remained strong. Keeping a journal is a fantastic way to stay on top of how we're feeling along the way. It'll also keep your reasons, your why, at the forefront of your thoughts. It's all about loading yourself up with ammo when you have those moments of interjection between your desire and the act. Journaling suits us up for battle, so to speak. Lastly, share your journey, share your reasons, share your timeline. Ask others not to tempt you. Ask others to help keep you accountable. We're exploring the five most common resolutions, why people tend to fall short, and how to not do that. We're having a conversation about saving money. First of all, we are obligated to say that we are not financial advisors. If something we discussed today sounds interesting to you, we highly recommend that you do your own research and consider having a conversation with a professional, as there are always risks with investments of every kind. Today, as always, we are talking about what we found useful in our own lives. I'll start by saying this is definitely one of those subjects that I wish I knew more about when I was younger. I grew up in a paycheck-to-paycheck -paycheck household, always struggling to keep our heads above water. My mom always put food on the table, and I definitely never went without, but I inherited a lot of anxiety surrounding finances, 
what some call a scarcity mindset. Knowledge is everything when it comes to handling wealth. And unless you come from wealth, it's confusing, often a daunting process. And those who aren't mathematically inclined tend to fare even worse. So let's say we're starting off at square one. What are the key takeaways when it comes to saving? First of all, budget. Budgeting is everything. Put simply, we want to know exactly how much is coming in and exactly how much is going out. We want to have a specific budget for food, for gas, for car payments, for the gym membership, for insurance, and so on. We start by taking a look at where we're at currently, and then we start to sort out where we want to be. That means we're making cuts. We're giving our spending a good hard look and using our imagination about how we can trim the fat. When it comes to eating inexpensively, New York Times best-selling author of Genius Foods and The Genius Life, Max Lugavere, suggests stocking up on sale items, ordering over the internet where you can search for best prices, buying generic brands, avoiding juices and sodas, buying seasonal, buying in bulk, meal prep, and potentially growing your own food. Some super cheap and healthy foods and drinks are frozen or canned vegetables, ground beef, canned fish, plain yogurt, chicken, nuts, eggs, water, and coffee. Beyond that, can we not order alcohol when we decide to eat out? Is there a less expensive gym? Are there cheaper forms of entertainment? And then we come up with a list of solutions. Instead of going out to dinner, have friends over for a potluck and play board games. Instead of paying for the gym, get into at-home workouts. Instead of going to the movies, join adult recreation leagues like dodgeball. From there, we can get a good idea of what we're actually capable of saving. If possible, we make a little room for the fun stuff that costs a little bit of money, but only use it when it feels right, not because we feel forced. That money can become savings of its own if we find it's not needed from one week to the next. Next, the conversation inevitably becomes, where are we saving? Putting away money is better than not putting away money, but everyday savings accounts offer next to nothing on stored cash. Meanwhile, the market typically performs at 7% on average, which is why Warren Buffett recommends using money we'd otherwise stash in a long-term savings account to buy into an index fund like Vanguard. This is how stored money grows rather than sits stagnant. It's possible to buy into these kinds of stocks through a stock purchasing app like Robinhood. There are riskier investments, riskier stocks that may potentially render a higher return, but at some point it becomes gambling. In those cases, we really don't want to be investing more than we can afford to lose. Crypto is another heavily debated investment. Many see it as the future of currency. Some see it as a passing fad. If you're interested in potentially investing in crypto, make sure you take the time to educate yourself about exactly what it is, how to buy in, how to sell, how and where to spend it, how to convert it into cash, and so on. Apps like Binance and Coinbase are extremely helpful here. This is a bigger conversation, but interest rates are the devil. We want to avoid paying interest rates on credit cards at all costs. Oftentimes, this means paying off credit cards every single month before the interest is applied. At that point, the only reason to have a credit card besides points and flyer miles is to increase your credit score by demonstrating reliability with lending. It's never to afford ourselves things we can't actually afford. Right. That's how people get stuck in debt and never escape. Paying interest on purchases is blowing money. 
Think about it this way. If we buy a $50 shirt with a credit card that's charging 18% interest, and we're only paying the minimum due every month, that $50 shirt can end up costing thousands over the course of several years. As soon as we're paying for the interest stacked on top of those charges, we often end up paying down very little of the principal, very little of that original charge. We become victims of the financial system, cash cows to our debtors. I escaped the credit card debt of my early 20s by opening 0% APR cards and transferring my balances and then focusing entirely on paying them off until they were gone. But I wouldn't have been able to do that if my credit score wasn't still intact, and so many aren't. Lastly, a life-changing shift in thought. Can we own a home for the amount we're paying in rent? If you're living in a metropolitan city, the answer may very well be yes. It might mean living in a different part of town. It might mean making a commute. It might mean starting off with a condo and not a house. But when our rent to a landlord becomes our mortgage to our own property, suddenly we're automatically investing. Money that would generally fly out the window is returning to our own pocket. And when the housing market grows, the value of our property grows. The down payment is that ominous guard at the gate that people tend to shy away from. But there are so many programs out there for first-time home buyers, as low as 3% down. There's also diversity-driven down payment assistance. It may serve you to look into whether those programs are available to you in your state and city. And remember, once you're in your own home, you can always look for roommates to offset your mortgage. We're exploring the five most common resolutions, why people tend to fall short, and how to not do that. We're discussing self-care. This one's as vague as any, but best guess suggests it's all about making sure we allot a little bit of time to put ourselves first, to move our own wants and needs, no matter how luxurious they may be, toward the front of the line. One thing I'd like to mention before we dive in today is if we're attempting to carve out little moments for ourselves, it may very well be that what we actually need to do is overhaul our entire life and make sure we're in the driver's seat to begin with. It's easy to become overwhelmed by obligations, to lose track of our how and why, to put everyone else's needs before our own, but that train leads nowhere fast. Right. Oftentimes, people who lose sight of themselves end up unfulfilled and unhappy. How can we take care of the people we love without first taking care of ourselves? How can we be a pillar of support or serve as someone else's foundation when our own foundation is crumbling from neglect? If we're feeling undervalued, unappreciated, like our core needs aren't being met, if we're feeling like we have to steal moments of our own life back in order to get by, it may very well be time to put ourselves first across the board. We take a good hard look at those pillars of health, exercise, diet, good sleep, sunlight and nature, community, self-love and mindfulness. We put these things first and allot the leftover time wherever we choose. Now, obviously there may be children, there may be husbands or wives, there may be families. This overhaul is an extreme version of what's actually immediately plausible. But the point we really want to get across here is you deserve more than crumbs and only you can draw that line in the sand. Now, if we're generally fulfilled, but we just need a little extra R&R, that's a bit different. That journey begins with sorting out exactly what you're looking to provide for yourself. Is it alone time? A time to disconnect? Is it physical relaxation? Is it mental relaxation? 
Is it something stimulating, a novel experience, time with a friend or an adventure? These are all different needs masked as that hyper-general self-care. We get to know our actual needs as specifically as possible. And from there, we get to know what fulfills it. For example, one person may say they want to unwind. A lot of people would immediately think of massage, but some people loathe massages. One person simply might want time to read a book, while others would rather run their nails across a chalkboard than read. There's no one-size-fits-all answer to self-care, so it's best going in eyes wide open to that fact. Some people haven't taken the opportunity to ask themselves these questions or to test out the different answers. In that case, we try to pinpoint what feels lacking or what specifically feels overwhelming. Is there too much stress or not enough thrill? Is there too many tasks or not enough freedom? Once we can sort out exactly what we need more or less of, we can start to think of solutions. And yes, allot ourselves specific increments of time to explore those solutions. But we wanna reiterate here, don't count out the big changes. If a weekend of cucumber eye masks and a 24-7 jacuzzi feels like spitting on the inferno of our stress, it may be time to consider the biggest energy expenses in our lives. If it's a job, it may be time to look elsewhere or form an exit plan. If it's a one-sided friendship, it may be time to get out there and meet new people. If it's a loveless marriage, it may be time to give rekindling a serious try. We take the time to explore ourselves, our actual needs, and we make a list of those solutions. It's all about developing a more intimate relationship with our well-being and providing ourselves with our own foundation of trust and care so that we have the energy to be that for the people that we love. We're exploring the five most common resolutions, why people tend to fall short, and how to not do that. We're wrapping it up with a healthier diet. First of all, we're spending the entire week after next getting detailed about healthy eating, what it is, what foods are best for what purposes, what a diet should look like from one day to the next, and so on. So let's consider today a brief introduction on what we'll be hearing more of in a couple weeks. If the goal is that general desire to eat healthier, let's get specific about what that means. Well, first and foremost, we want to avoid unhealthy foods, unhealthy ingredients, and unhealthy ways of cooking. That's refined carbs, which is basically all white flour, added sugar of every kind, no deep fried foods. Then as soon as we start getting into box meals, packaged meals, sauces, dressings, drinks, we're immediately looking at preservatives and hidden ingredients. A lot of the time, those prepackaged or processed foods are packed with all kinds of empty calories. An excess of empty calories in foods that aren't particularly filling, that's how people overeat and never get full. When we're eating fast food, we're really getting some of the worst of the worst. And when we're eating out at restaurants, we have little to no control over how the food is being cooked, what's being added, and what the quality of the food is in the first place. Eating whole foods is a fantastic answer for beginners on this journey. All the whole foods generally exist in the fruits and vegetable section and the meat section of the grocery stores. There are a few exceptions, but we're talking about foods that aren't packaged, foods that look like what they are, period. A big part of this is all about learning to cook. I look back on my younger years and cooking was a lot like math for me. 
It was this esoteric concept that just seemed way too complicated, something I wasn't built to grasp. But once you break it down, it's actually pretty simple. It begins with knowing a few different ways to cook things in general. My go-tos are baking and roasting, which is literally sticking things in the oven, grilling, which is literally sticking things on a grill, sauteing, which is putting stuff in a pan with some olive oil, and slow cooking, which is throwing a bunch of stuff in a slow cooker and turning it on. It's so true. Once we got a grasp of the basics, it's so easy to dive into some simple recipes. And here's yet another wonderful thing about the internet. There are millions and millions of recipes, everything from salads to stews to casseroles to smoothies, endless options, all possible with just a few utensils and the ingredients at your local grocery store. If you miss the entertainment of a restaurant, turn on music, invite friends, have a glass of wine while you cook, enjoy yourself. Heck, use the time to reflect on your day and visualize your goals. Next, meal prep is your friend. Having pre-made meals in glass Tupperware is a lifesaver when it comes to avoiding those rushed decisions on what to eat. Those are the times we inevitably end up at the drive-thru or ordering in. I also have a calendar specifically for meals. I use that to generate a week's worth of ingredients for a shopping list. The word diet is really due for a reinvention. It's become synonymous with crash diets, weight loss. It's all about restriction. In reality, our diet is simply the food that we eat. We are not on a diet. We have a diet. Our diet consists of X, Y, and Z. It can consist of food that leaves you full, nourished, mentally and physically stronger, or it can be filled with foods that drain you, leave you malnourished, overweight, unsatiated, and sick. The restriction mindset is unlivable. We don't have the willpower to fight that battle day in and day out. Instead, we see food as the medicine or poison it truly is. We are empowered in our choice to have a diet of whole foods and whole ingredients. Lastly, we don't beat ourselves up over the occasional cheat meal, the occasional night out, the calorie splurge. It can't be our daily, it shouldn't be our weekly, but perfection should never be the goal. We'd suggest keeping track of your meals just so you have a clear perspective on what's been going on. It's easy to lose track. Once again, Instagram is a fantastic source for encouragement, community, and even recipes. Some of our favorites are The Food Babe, Dr. James Dinnick, Dr. Mark Hyman, and Max Lugavere, who also has a new cookbook, by the way, called Genius Kitchen, which you can find at GeniusKitchenBook.com. Thanks so much for joining us. If you'd like to continue the conversation, we welcome you to reach out through Instagram at Good Risings, or you can find me at B McMuffin. And you can find me at Jacqueline M. Wood underscore one. We hope you'll join us next week. We're getting detailed about how to take care of our bodies, and we're kicking it off on Monday with skin, nails, and hair. Until then, remember, a better tomorrow starts with today. Good Risings is presented by Cavalry Audio.